Welcome inside the Tuesday Eastern Conference edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators, alongside Gil Martin from Locked On New York Islanders to bring you all the recap you need for the trade deadline season. Almost every contender added, the sellers sold, and there's one trade still in limbo. So let's get into all that and more. This is the Locked On NHL podcast, your team every day. Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On NHL podcast your first listen on this Tuesday, March 22nd. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Gil Martin. Gil, how was that trade deadline, buddy? Do you enjoy all the activity? <laughs> I enjoyed all the activity. My team sat it out, more or less, but... Uh... You know, I thought they would be sellers. I, I thought there were some players on expiring contracts that the Islanders would be looking to move. Uh, they did not do that. In fact, they re-signed two of them to extensions in Cal Clutterbuck and uh, and Zach Parise. So they'll be back on the island next year. But uh, overall, you know, the teams that were contenders, as you said, they were buying eagerly. And the teams that were out of contention, with the exception of my Islanders, were selling. And... Uh, Never a dull moment. We have one trade that's still in limbo. Well, let's start with that because, wow. And it's a part of where I have, have my expertise, the Ottawa Senators, who signed Adnov to that three-year contract where he ends up getting traded about July 28th, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a clause in his contract saying his no-trade list has to be in by July 1st. So the Vegas Golden Knights tried trading Evgeny Dadnov at the deadline with a second-round pick as a sweetener to the Anaheim Ducks to take on dead money back in Ryan Kessler. And what ends up happening here is Dadnov had Anaheim on his no-trade list. Now, first and foremost, and I tweeted this out at Ross Levitan, who has Anaheim on their 10-team no-trade list? You can't think of 10 places you wouldn't rather play, but then it gets even more insane where... They need this move for cap flexibility or else Vegas is in trouble. Where do you think the fallout of this is going to be? Will Dadnov end up being an Anaheim Duck? I think comes to shove, um, but what a mess. I mean, what an absolute mess. And, you know, unfortunately, I think it makes everybody look bad when you when you break it all down. Nobody comes out of this looking good. Yep. And that, that's the Ottawa Senators for who apparently did not mention on the trade call who was on the no trade list. But I, I'd actually absolve Ottawa from anything and, and call it a homer or whatever. I don't really care. They've got enough things you can blame them for. But this, it's not like Dadnov was a Vegas Golden Knight for two days or three days. You don't think a team with that many analytics professionals, that many GM, assistant GM, nobody looked on cap friendly. It was right there that he had a 10-team no-trade clause. It's I know, and that's not an NHL thing. That's just public forum. But they thought when he was traded that his no-trade clause dissolved. That used to be the case. But in the new CBA, it's no longer the case where once you're traded, your no-trade clause is gone. You still keep it. So right. they should have known 
that he had a no trade clause and it doesn't look good on his agent either because Dadnow's name had been in rumors for weeks, if not months. You don't think he would talk to Vegas and be like, Hey, I'm going to help you try to facilitate a trade that works out for my client as well. It just, it smells bad on all sides. And to, to be now 24, 27 hours after the deadline and not knowing if a trade went through, it's just, it's just a tough, tough look. Yeah. And you know, you would have to figure his agent at the very least would be reminding Vegas, Hey, you can't send him to these places. This is, this is, this is his list. Lack of communication, just lot of lack of a lot of things going on with this deal. And now there's egg on everybody's face and the league is going to have to figure out a way to settle this because like you said, the cap ramifications make it a very difficult situation. If this deal does not go through. I have no idea what's next, but it will be fascinating regardless because talk about a tough place for Evgeny Dadnov. He's either going somewhere where he earned in his contract to say he didn't want to go or he stays with a team who tried to give away an asset to get rid of him. So it's just a real tough spot. And I hope hey, Evgeny Dadnov to Sens fans, he's the guy who mounted the comeback when they were down 5-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs late in the second period. He scores two goals, including the breakaway winner in overtime. So he's got a special place in my heart for that. But at this stage of the game, his offensive production has fallen off and it might come down to him wanting to be in a playoff race and staying with Vegas for that. But then that causes a whole mountain of issues for Vegas. But the boys on the Western Conference show will discuss that because right now they have a $9.5 million player in Mark Stone who's on the long-term injured reserve. And there ain't no way he's getting off of that unless Evgeny Dadnov's money is off the books or a miracle could happen, which, I mean, talk about miracles. They've already used up one going to the final in their first ever year. Or they could pull a Tampa Bay Lightning and wait to the playoffs to activate him, and then it doesn't count. <laughs> oh, the heartbreak just kills me because Vegas seems like things are going right. But it also brings up an interesting point where I just don't think Vegas has treated their players very well, from Marc-Andre Fleury to guys who have been a part of it, and they're just sent packing like, like they're nothing more than an asset. But again, the boys on the Locked On NHL when Thursday edition with Chris Maselli with the Western Conference. They'll talk about that. But the East, man, the arms race in the East is unbelievable. If you were betting right now after the trade deadline, who's your favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference? Uh, you know, that is, that is a good, good question. I, I'd have to go with the Florida Panthers right now, I think. Uh, and, and I think... You know, Florida and Tampa Bay, to me, are like one and two. And, and you know, since when is Florida the capital of the Eastern Conference for the NHL? And how about Giroux only wanting to go to Florida? When's yeah. the last time the Panthers were the only team that a player would wave his no-trade clause to go to? And that's including Colorado was interested. Seems like they're the class of the NHL over the past three years. And imagine telling Joe Sackick hey, uh, I'm good. I'm actually going to go somewhere else. Like, it's just, it's wild to me, but that speaks to what Florida has been building. And now he gets to play on a line with Alex Barkov. That automatically vaults to me as a top five line in the Eastern Conference with Carter Verhage, a come out of nowhere type player, but he's also pretty skilled. And then on the power play, you mix in Huberto there, Sam Reinhart. Hopefully Aaron Ekblad's injury isn't too serious, but they're getting great goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky. And now, even with him out for a little while, now Spencer Knight is starting to pick up his game. He was slow out of the gate. So this is a team, I'm with you, they are, they are firing on all cylinders. You like them out of the East over Tampa? 
I, I do. The only reason I hesitate on that is Vasilevsky is that good, and he's a proven. He has a proven track record in the playoffs. The only thing that sort of makes me hesitate on Tampa Bay going to the Stanley Cup final and winning it in back-to-back years does take a toll on your team physically, and so I wonder whether or not when push comes to shove, you get. Uh, you know, to the Eastern Conference final, let's say, and and maybe it's a little difficult for this team to find that last little bit of reserve that they need after everything they've been through over the last couple of years. Our friends at betonline.net have the Florida Panthers as the favorite as well right now. You can get those odds at plus 350 right now. Carolina and Tampa are tied in second at plus 500, and the New York Rangers are at plus 550 and you're on at plus 350 eh? betonline.net yeah absolutely absolutely well look this this episode is brought to you by your friends at bet online it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds contests and player props betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Gil. So you've got the Florida Panthers as the class of the Eastern Conference. They add Claude Giroux. They add Ben Sherrod, and they're stocking up to go for it. They don't have a first-round pick until 2025. They've given away the next two years' worth, and that, to, to me, is is kind of wild. But when you're competing for a cup, what do the draft picks matter, especially if you do earn the distinction of going to the Final Four? You're only picking 28-29. 30-31, I guess push all those back. Shout out Seattle. But all that to say, I'm going to go a little bit further of a long shot right, with who I have coming out of the Eastern Conference. And I don't know why. I just have this feeling that the New York Rangers are going to not only get the goaltending that they have right now, but I love the addition of Andrew Kopp right now from Winnipeg. I think that... It's interesting to see what's going to happen beyond this year. He's a restricted free agent. He's got offensive numbers that will do him well in negotiations. But I look at what they gave up for him. And yeah, if they make it to the conference final, it becomes a first round pick. And yeah. if Cop plays in half the games, but especially if you can re-sign him, that's an extremely valuable asset. I put that on the same level as I put the Blake Coleman edition that Tampa got from New Jersey where they gave up a first round pick and a prospect who had been drafted in the first round in Nolan foot. But in return, you're getting so much, you're getting a guy who can play on the first line if he needs to, or a guy who can play in a checking line in a third line role. Like imagine him on a right wing or even playing back at center with, uh, with Chris Kreider. Like those guys can, can go up and down the ice as fast as anybody, but they can also defend. So I really like what the New York Rangers did. Maybe they weren't the most active team, and some thought they would be when it comes to how much cap they have available. But I love the Andrew Kopp pickup from the Rangers' perspective. We know they have great goaltending, and it would just be a shame to waste it. And maybe they could have done a bit more, Gil, but I, I really like what, what bringing in Kopp will do for them. I like what they did also. And, you know, you talk about Igor Shosturkin, so good. He's really 
been a difference maker, sort of a, a fitting heir apparent to Henrik Lundqvist as far as the way he's been playing this year or last year. And the thing I like about the Rangers, they brought in some good pieces, but they didn't disturb the chemistry locker room. And to me, at the trade deadline, you know, you're not looking to upset the apple cart that much. You're sort of just looking to tweak it a little bit and, and make the engine run a little bit smoother. And I think the Rangers definitely did that. They added some pieces that are good playoff pieces and yet still kept that locker room more or less intact. Yes, one of those pieces being Justin Braun, who's most known for his days as a San Jose Shark. They get him from Philly, a guy who just brings that reliability, that experience on the back end. And then, of course, when you add Andrew Kopp, you're pushing everyone else down the depth chart a little bit. But then you add um, a Frankie Vetrano, who's a, a, a Swiss Army Knife type player where he can play up and down the lineup. And Tyler Mott, a good penalty killer on the fourth line. So they did add a, a plethora of pieces here. I like that. But my single favorite move outside of Giroux, because he is just kind of in a class of his own, when I take cost into account as well, we know the Pittsburgh Penguins, their window is open right now. They have two of the best players in the world. You could probably argue Latang is still in that top class as well. But they added Ricard Raquel, who's been underperforming, I think, for what he can do in the past. He's been a 30-goal scorer before. So now you have him playing with Evgeny Malkin, where it looks like he'll start his time with um, with Pittsburgh. And I just, I'm so used to seeing, and yeah, they gave up some good pieces. Zach Aston Reese was crucial in their 2017 cup run. But when you're getting a player who can already show offensive production, and now you're saying, hey, why don't you go out there and snap it around with Evgeny Malkin a little bit? I think that you're looking at, at probably, if I had to say which of these players will lead the uh, NHL in points of all the players traded, I would say Giroux number one, and then I'm going right to Ricard Raquel. What do you think of Pittsburgh? Because they always seem like they're under the radar throughout the regular season, but they're just built for playoffs and they have the experience to show for it. They have the experience, they're built for the playoffs, and they always seem to find a way to get hot at the right time when they go on these long runs. It is the, the window that you talked about, it's closing. I mean, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, they're on the wrong side of 30 right now. They are starting to wind down, but you want to bet against those guys in a, in a short series? I mean, it, it is tough. And, you know, the fact is you can't put a top checking line against both of those lines and that creates problems for opposing teams all the time. So the team, and I feel like they're always hand in hand ever since Crosby and Ovechkin, the Washington Capitals were the only team that didn't do anything out of those top eight in the Eastern Conference. And they're last. Is that a bad message to send to the locker room if you're the management team of the Caps? Depends how you interpret that message. You could be saying, I'm confident in the group we have right here, right now. I believe in you guys. Go do it. Uh, or you could be saying that, you know, we don't think we have a good enough chance and therefore we didn't bring anybody in. So part of it is going to be how you sell this lack of action to your locker room. You know, the Capitals are hot and cold. That one minute they look like they could beat anybody in the league and they're hard to stop. And the next minute, they'll go through a stretch of five games where they'll go like, you know, one, two, and and two or something like that. Uh, it's hard to count them out, but I still think they rely a little bit too much on the grade eight. Uh, in my mind, 
there's a reason why they're like, you know, having that last playoff spot right now in the Eastern Conference. They're dangerous, but I would not put them up at the top of the teams that I think are going to win in the East. Would they be at the bottom? Or is there a team where out of those top eight teams, and just to run through them, you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs out of the Atlantic Division, and the Boston Bruins, I should say. Those are the four teams from the Atlantic that are going to be in the mix. And then from the Metro, you've got the Carolina Hurricanes, who made a late trade that we'll get to in just a moment. You've got the Florida Panthers. You've got the Washington, or sorry, um, Florida's in the Atlantic. My apologies. And then um, I'm blanking on the team, the Rangers, the Penguins, and then, of course, the Capitals. So out of those eight teams, who is going to be on the outside looking in first? Maybe not in a sweep or that sort of thing, but out of the eight, who do you think has the furthest opportunity to go far? You know, uh, I think Washington would be the longest shot. And then uh, I'm not going to win a lot of friends north of the border, but I'd have to say Toronto would be my next longest shot. I like the Giordano acquisition, but I'm still not sold on the defense and the goaltending overall. And, uh, you know, the pressure that comes with playing in Toronto adds to the difficulty of that team making a long playoff run. I think that the Leafs, to me, would probably be the second longest shot after Washington. That's music to my ears, pal. It's a team that hasn't gotten out of the first round since 2004 when I was in grade one. And I was very upset because they'd beat the Ottawa Senators. Patty Laleem reaching over, trying to get that Joe Newendike shot. He just could not do it. But the Toronto Maple Leafs did make a move that was revered around the National Hockey League, bringing in another leader. And we've seen this as a trend from Jason Spezza coming in a few years ago and then kind of winding down his career in Toronto. Last year, they had Nick Foligno, who had been the captain in Columbus. They paid a handsome price for a guy who ended up scoring, I believe, one, if if that, one goal. But the Toronto Maple Leafs had some injury problems as well. The highlight of his tenure was wearing his dad's old Maple Leafs hat from when Mike Foligno used to play for Toronto. But this year, they go out and get Mark Giordano, captain of formerly the Calgary Flames, and then this year with Seattle. You don't think that he's going to make a big impact for them on the back end? I think he will make a big impact, but I think they needed to do more. I think they needed more help on defense. They may have needed some goaltending help that they didn't get. And I'm just, you know, to me, Toronto is more of a team that is built to win in the regular season than they are built to win in the playoffs. And I think their track record uh, backs that up. Yeah, we'll find out because Kyle Dubas, and you look at, he's done all the right things when you look at it analytically. And even the, the, the moves he's made that haven't been analytic moves per se, you can, then the hockey guys are like, okay. So I feel like he's kind of taking a bit of both, right? Bring in some grit, some toughness in Simmons, in Muzzin, all these guys, and then striking gold for a while with Jack Campbell and net. But whatever he does, it just doesn't seem to work. It's, it's a bit of a curse by the sounds of it. But right now, man, they're, they're offensively gifted. There's no taking that away from them. Matthews and Marner, two of the best offensive drivers in the National Hockey League. It's just the je ne sais quoi about it that you're just not confident going into a playoff series. And some of that, I would believe, has to do with the fact that no matter what, first round, in all likelihood, I shouldn't say no matter what. There's a chance Boston catches and passes Toronto. I doubt it to make them a wild card team. Then maybe some weird things happen. But if you're Toronto, pick your poison: Florida or Tampa. Right. Who are you picking if you're Toronto? Like, 
I guess you, based on what you said earlier, you think you take a shot at Tampa? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's like you want the electric chair of the firing squad. I mean, it's not a good choice. Uh, either way, you end up dead. It, it's it's uh, it, They have their work cut out for them, the way the playoff system is working. You add the pressure of playing in the biggest media market in Canada. The fact that they haven't been to, to the – haven't won a playoff round since 2004, haven't been to the cup final since 1967. There is just a lot of pressure on the Toronto Maple Leafs and they will not have an easy time of it. And I think, you know, if you compare Toronto and Washington, I think Washington may not have a better team than Toronto, but they may have an easier path to advancing in the playoffs than Toronto. I want to ask you about a couple other matchups, potential first round matchups. We'll talk about the class of the Eastern Conference right after a quick word from our friends at Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain to have all the stock parts you need. So basically, they're just going to look at a computer and order only the brands that their warehouse plans to carry. You have computers too even in your pocket. Just open it up and go to rockauto.com and shop at home for all the needs you have with your car. So save time and money using Rock Auto and to family business too. So you're supporting do-it-yourselfers who have been helping you for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer and they have everything you could ever need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get new carpet there. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Fox? That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on sent you. All right, Gil. So the playoffs, if they started today, you would have the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Washington Capitals. You would have the Rangers going up against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You would have the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins going head-to-head, and you'd have the Tampa Bay Lightning hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of those four series, which one is must-watch TV? Are you going to be sitting down for every single one? (laughs) Well, I know my Islanders aren't going to be in it, so uh, so now I get to just play hockey fan and, and pick a series. You know, uh, to me, Toronto and Tampa has to be must-watch TV. Uh, You got an explosive offensive team with questionable goaltending slash defense with a lot of pressure on them in Toronto, a lot of talent on that team. You have the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, arguably the best goalie in the league in Vasilevsky. Uh, You know, so many stars on that team. And to me, you know, that's a series where you could see some five, four games and you could see some two to one games and both of them could be equally entertaining. So uh, uh, that one would be very ho- That would be the highest one on my list just from a pure hockey fan perspective. How about you? I'm, I'm glad you t- I'll tell you in a sec, but I'm glad that you brought up the Tampa Bay lightning because what did you think about them basically trying to recreate their all acquired wingers on the third line before to win their two cups? They got uh, Blake Coleman and uh, Barkley Goodrow. This time it's Brandon Hagel who they play- paid an enormous price for, but 
just like uh, Barkley Goodrow, or sorry, just like Blake Coleman, he had that extra year. So they're going to get two cup runs out of him at like $1.2 million. So they're paying for that as well. And then from my Ottawa Senators, they get Nick Paul, who is a do-it-all type player. That was the fun little line that we have here. Nick Paul does it all. But in all seriousness, Ottawa wanted to keep him. They couldn't agree to terms on a new contract. And I think Tampa is the perfect landing spot for him. Do you think that they're messing with a little bit of the chemistry or you think when you've got as much going for you mojo wise and you've got back-to-back rings, you can kind of bring guys in and the culture's strong enough that it won't affect anything negatively. I go with the second one more than the first. I, I, I think Tampa is in a good place when it comes to that. And you know, human nature being what it is, sometimes I think it helps if you won two in a row, you don't want to get complacent. You bring in some guys who are hungry who haven't been there to just add a little urgency to the mix. And I, I think you combine that with the guys who are experienced, who know what it takes to win, and you've got a pretty darn good combination. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm just seeing now, and pardon me, Washington Capitals fans, I forgot you reacquired Marcus Johansson. Plan the parade, please, please, please. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that uh, for me, it's the Boston Bruins and Florida Panthers because – yeah, everyone's going to expect Florida to, to just jump and run all over them. But the Boston Bruins just have that experience. And if there's one guy who I think could shut down Barkov and Giroux in a lot in a series, it's probably Marchand and Bergeron going head to head. And though with those two guys, that G is such a competitive guy. And I think Marchand and him could go head to head, much like we saw Giroux and Crosby back in the day when they had those playoff battles between Philly and Pittsburgh. So I'm really intrigued by that matchup because I think Boston is that underrated, but at the same time, are they going to get the goaltending? And that's kind of the question mark there. Whereas I think if you're Florida, you're feeling pretty good at what's going on in the pipes. But I think that those, those two matchups that we both mentioned are going to be real good. And it just speaks to the Atlantic division this year. Like those four are so head and shoulders above everyone else in the division. It'll be fun to see them go head to head. And it's just, it makes me smile but shake my head at the same time that half of these fantastic teams are going to be out in seven games or less. Yeah, that's always sort of the downside in the playoffs where uh, there are no easy rounds and, you know, two very good teams are home within four to seven games, as you said, in each division. So, But, look, that is the challenge of it, and it always makes for some compelling hockey. And you and I both know the Stanley Cup playoffs, more than any other sport, upsets are very likely to happen and that's part of what makes it fun yes absolutely i mean the islanders with more playoff wins than any team not not named tampa in the last two seasons as well were you surprised though you said there's the expiring contracts that you wanted to move out do you think they're onto something though maybe they did play a lot of hockey extra the last couple of years from the bubble going that far in the bubble must have been so tough to not at least make it to the final get that patch sewn on their jersey and everything but do you think there's something to be said that maybe a, a longer summer this year could help that same group rebound and be back in the playoff mix next year yeah i think there is something to be said about that they need some tweaking they still need a puck moving defenseman they never really adequate, adequately replaced nick letty who also got dealt at the trade deadline. Uh, And then uh, they need a sniper. They do not have that 30 to 35 goal guy who puts fear in the hearts of other teams. 
uh, and who's willing to just shoot the puck early and often. So if they can add those two elements, I think that, you know, having a longer summer this year might help and the Islanders could go right back into contention. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you have it. So follow Locked on Islanders for what you need to know about this team where it's a curious team for me because they're getting up there in age in terms of their core, but there are still some good, talented players. I'm really intrigued to see what they look like next season. And for the Ottawa Senators, oh boy, they had a questionable move as well that we could touch on here at the end with uh, Travis Hamanick coming in for a third round pick. This shocked the hockey world because everyone, myself included, Vancouver management included, all thought they were going to have to attach a pick to get rid of them. But instead, they get a third-round pick. So a confusing move. But as a, as an Islanders uh, reporter here, do you think he might still have some of that 2015, 16, 17 juice? I mean, when he got traded from the Islanders, he got uh, first and, and two seconds in return. Yeah, I mean, he's not the player he was then, but he's still solid. And he's a good teammate, a good player. He will add something to the mix. And, and you know, you mentioned when we were talking before we uh, started recording that they wanted him to mentor some of the younger players in the organization. He's very good. He'll, he'll excel in that role if, you know, the stars are aligned properly. So uh, Hamannick's a good teammate, a good defenseman, and I think he will be a good addition to the Ottawa Senators. All right. Well, you can follow at Send Central and see it's a verbal meme. The guy walking into a room that's just on fire and, and he's got the pizza and he just turns around. He's like, oh, that's what it's like to be following the Ottawa Senators right now and over the last five seasons. But it's always fun chatting with you, Gil, and discussing here the trade deadline. Make sure that your second listen of the day is another Locked On NHL podcast. As we mentioned, Gil's got the Locked On Islanders. I've got Locked On Senators. And that's the beauty of this, this show and this network is that we have local experts on the biggest stories. And days like trade deadline is where it really shows. All the Locked On Now is coming in, getting immediate reaction from that. So that was a lot of fun, eh, to be a part of yesterday? It was a lot of fun and exciting. And even though my team didn't do a heck of a lot, uh, it was just great to watch everybody scrambling and covering all of these events as they were happening. And uh, I was very proud of the way everybody handled it. So for more, you can check out Locked On NHL on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out your favorite Locked On NHL show on YouTube, where you can subscribe there as well. For today, we say goodbye. For Gil Martin, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On NHL podcast for Tuesday, March 22nd. It's a Locked On Network, where we've got your team every day.